welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. We're going to be in uh, the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number four. And uh, we have been... uh, begin to wrap up uh, this last chapter here. And uh, any of the children like to be dismissed, you're more than welcome to head on down. And if you can remember, um, Paul began this uh, last chapter with these words about therefore, uh, and he's calling our attention really to uh, everything that he had previously stated about uh, following the Lord, uh, being in unity, and he's wrapping everything up, uh, but also it helps us look forward uh, to the things that uh, he's laying out here for us uh, in Philippians chapter number four. And last week, we looked at this command in uh, verse number four about uh, rejoicing always. We saw from that command, uh, in the context of the chapter, the reasons why we could rejoice. And there were several of them that I gave you uh, following the verses there. And this verse here that we're going to look at uh, today in verse number five, about letting your reasonableness or your patience or your gentleness um, or your forbearance be known to everyone, comes on the heels of rejoicing always. But then it's also set within the context of two women within the church that were having uh, some disagreements, Uh, Euodia and Sintichi that were not agreeing in the Lord. And Paul really says, these women need to agree. Then you have the command of rejoicing always, but then also uh, the command here of the fact of them letting their reasonableness uh, be known to everyone. You know, have you ever had one of those period of times when things just don't seem to go right? I mean, it just seems like everything is happening. Um, I can recall several times that it just seemed like you take the vehicle in to get worked on. As soon as you get it back, the other vehicle breaks down. And it just seems it goes on and on and on. Or you have an appliance that breaks and you weren't planning on something like that happening. Uh, the roof starts to leak unexpectedly. Uh, I can remember we were uh, redoing, uh, remodeling our, our bathroom there at the house we live at right now. And we got some uh, shiplap from uh, Restore and we found it. It just, hey, this is going to be great. And uh, I started putting it on and got it all laid out, got everything cut up correctly, got it all painted. And uh, there I am with the nail gun and I'm putting in nails and I marked where my studs were. Going on, going on, getting it all up, all the way up to this thing. And then, what's that water doing on the floor? (laughs) Go down the basement, there's puddles of water all over the place. I have to rip off all the the, uh, shiplap, and I get down and I notice that one of the studs wasn't on center. What happened when I went boom, boom, boom? I put three nails in a copper line. All that work, you know, just goes right down the drain. It seems like, ah, you know, what's going on here? 
you know, uh, car breaks down, appliances quit working. Sometimes we laugh about it. But at other times, I think there are many times in our lives where we uh, are falling apart. That's why I don't understand why we should ever be trying to hold on to this life because we seek a better country. We seek a better life. Uh, we live in a sin cursed world, it's broken, it's falling apart. Why on earth would we ever want to try to continue living in a, in a, in a type of world like this? And uh, so we need to understand that there's a lot of things that happen, difficulties that come into our lives, situations that happen, and we need to have the right attitude about it. And that's where the whole thing about rejoicing always uh, in this command here about letting your reasonableness, letting your gentleness be known uh, to everyone. You know, one of the things that we've all had difficulties in is our relationships with other people. People let us down. Um, we get frustrated with others. They may offend us or they may have sinned against us. And so how do we respond with rejoicing when we're hurt and angry because of someone else's sin? You see, last week uh, we covered verse 4 and how we can rejoice, but we're going to flesh that out just a little bit more here this morning as we look at verse number 5. And so this is what I'd like for you to take away with you for today. Let your joy be seen in how you treat others in difficult situations. Let your joy be seen to others in how you treat them in difficult situations. So let's take notice here of our text. And we're going to read this within context, uh, verses, uh, verses 4 through 14. And uh, we'll follow up with some of these things. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And so as we look here at this passage, the command in verse 4 is to rejoice, which describes, as we talked about last week, it's an emotional response, but it's not an emotion in and of itself. It's not dependent upon our circumstances. We can choose to rejoice, even though the circumstances are not favorable or the circumstances may even seem bleak. 
And if you can recall with me last week, rejoicing is dependent upon our mindset, what we're thinking about, what we're allowing our minds to dwell upon. And because that's what Paul talks about here, about what we uh, are thinking about. And so uh, rejoicing is dependent uh, upon our mindset. It is present or absent because of what you believe and not the particular situation in which we are uh, currently facing. And really the Christian's belief is to transcend all of our present circumstances because our belief should be rooted and founded in the word of God, which does not change. And so if our belief and our thinking about things that are going on, we're uncertain, we don't know, we're scared, we're worried, we're afraid, um, God's word gives us and tells us what we should be doing and how we can live in those circumstances and to really rejoice. And so um, we should be viewing our circumstances from God's eternal perspective and then respond into that with joyfully, uh, really our joy as being uh, what we should be focusing on. So just to recap briefly, Paul gives us uh, several specific reasons for Christian joy within the context of this, and I'll just kind of go over these really quick. Uh, verses five and seven, we find our joy in having our Lord near to us. I talked about the idea of praying, uh, our prayer life, and the fact that we can come to God, and so we can find our joy in praying to God and being near to God, drawing near to him, uh, leaving those things with him, knowing that he's going to take care of them. In verses eight and nine, we find joy in having our minds dwell on the right things, things which are pure and honest and just and lovely, of good report. Uh, if there's anything of worthy of praise, he says to think on these things. And so correct thinking brings about correct beliefs, which we can find uh, the source of joy. In verses 10 through 13, we find joy in being content in all of our circumstances is what Paul says. The fact that God is going to, he's promising us to provide our needs, not our wants, but our needs. And even Paul says, I've been, I know how to, uh, to be abased and I know how to abound. He's been in times where he was in, in much need and there's been in times where he's had a lot. But he says, in whatever state I'm in, I know that I should be content. Um, Jesus reminds us in Matthew 6, 25 to 34 about seeking his kingdom and his righteousness first and foremost, and then all these things would be added unto you. And so God is wiser than we are and, his, and really because of his sovereignty, the fact that he rules over everything and he controls everything, uh, we should be resting in him knowing that he is going to take care of the situations that we're in and we can be content in whatever situation that we're in because he is on the throne. Christian joy is based in these and other truths in God's word that we looked at and really it comes down to a obedience to those things are we being obedient to God's word because if we're not being obedient to God's word then really what are we doing we're just kind of going through life you know well God's word sometimes is good for this situation but sometimes it's not and you know you got to be obedient to God's word you have to be obedient to it you have to listen to what it says and so God's word tells us these things about our joy. And so if we are walking in God's word and we're being obedient to it, then we will have joy. But if we are not walking in God's word and we're being disobedient to his word, we're not going to have joy.
And if we're having this thinking that I'm gonna have one foot over here on obedience to God's word and I'm gonna have one foot over here and what I kind of wanna do, you're gonna be very miserable. So we have to resolve in ourselves that we are going to follow the teachings of God's word and we are going to be obedient to them. So it's very important to know that. You see, the command to rejoice here in the Lord always is not about responding with how I feel, but with what I believe. And so there are times when I feel horrible, yet I'm still to rejoice. Last week, I gave you a lot of the why we are to rejoice on what we should be rejoicing in. Uh, but this week, I, I really want to give you the how the how we can rejoice and uh, how all that comes to do that. So how can I rejoice always? How can I do that and live this out? Well, let's look at our text here again. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Praise God in difficult situations. Praise God in difficult situations. You see, the command here in Philippians 4 is to rejoice always. How are we to do that? Well, let's look at a couple of interesting verses that I think will really help us grasp this idea of rejoicing always and letting our reasonableness be known. Here in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, it has this to say. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. To God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Did you ever think that praising God is considered a sacrifice as a form of worship? Our praise to God is a form of worship, it's a sacrifice of praise. Now I want you to grasp this and think about this just with me here, just a moment. If we're sacrificing something, that means that we are giving up something else. Something has to die in order for there to be a sacrifice. So if we're going to offer up sacrifice of praise, we're going to be rejoicing always. That means something else has to be laid on the altar in order for us to do that. So if I'm to rejoice, then I need to learn how I can rejoice, and we do that through praise. To praise is to demonstrate approval of the character and or action of someone or something. It is a sacrifice of praise because you must give up certain things in order to do it. Well, what things? What things am I supposed to be giving up in order to offer up a sacrifice of praise? Well, here's just a few. Number one, in order to praise God, you must give up complaining against him, which in reality is accusing him of not being fair. Instead, you must look to see how he has wonderfully, graciously, and mercifully worked in your life. See, I think sometimes when the things break, or this happens, or that relationship's strained, or this is going on, we may not say it verbally. We may not say, God, why have you given me a crummy deal? Or, God, why have you done this in my life? But we go, oh, come on! You know what that is? You are complaining against God. 
So we have to resolve in our minds that we need to be sacrificing, giving up the things so that way we can actually praise God. And it begins with our mindset, what we're thinking about. Secondly, in order to praise God, you must give up your personal view of things and seek to understand them from his perspective. You see, in order to praise God, you must set aside your focus on your negative circumstances and instead put forth the effort to count your many blessings and then lift up your voice to him. See, it all has to deal with mindset, what we're thinking about, what we're dwelling upon. Thirdly, in order to praise God, you cannot feel sorry for yourself or hold grudges or work to see your own will be done. You must be in submission to God and seek his will to be done. You see, God's word is very clear and it tells us that he is the potter. What are we? Clay. And so if God desires and allows and permits certain things to come into our lives that may seem painful and hard and difficult, the clay has no right to say to the potter, what are you doing? Why did you do this to me? It's being submissive to his will. I was just on the phone with a man late last night, called, talking with him. And he was telling me some things that had just recently happened in his life. And uh, his wife for, of 33 years uh, got an illness. And within eight weeks, she was dead. Gone. So quickly. How do we view that? How do we, how do we handle things like that? We have to remember that God is working in our lives and it's his will. It's submission to his will, his desires, his wants, not ours. Notice what the writer of Hebrews says here about these sacrifices of praise. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. And look what he says. Their praise to God, that is what? The fruit of lips. They give thanks to his name. You see, and this is the practical outworking of such sacrifices of praise are what? Look what he says, and do not neglect doing good and sharing. You see, these things please God. When we offer up a sacrifice of praise, they are the fruit of our lips and the outworking of that is doing good. Letting your reasonableness be known to everyone. You see the connection there? None of us like to be slandered or gossiped about. But who am I but the servant of the Lord anyway? I mean, think of Paul. There he is. He's under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And he's saying, these people are doing these things, supposing to add to my affliction, add to my chains. <laughs> I'm sure Paul was slandered. I'm sure Paul was gossiped about. I'm sure people discounted his ministry, discounted his, uh, what he was doing. But he says, look, I'm going to choose to rejoice in all of this. I'm going to find out how God can use this for good. And that's exactly what Paul did. Should I expect any less? 
Should, I, should we as human beings that know Jesus Christ as our Savior expect anything less than to be treated with discontent, to be treated with uh, the way that people may say things about us? See, our Lord suffered greatly, did he not? He was righteous, he was holy, but yet he still suffered. Should we expect anything less? No. Instead of holding grudges, I am to work towards reconciliation because in that the Lord is glorified. If those that have sinned against me do not respond, well, then I will continue to leave the door ajar for them and allowing opportunities for them to come and make reconciliation. You see, it's about submitting to God, allowing God to say, allowing us to say to God, God, I don't know what you're doing in all this, but I know that you are sovereign. See, there's the sacrifice. There's the praise. God, you are totally good to me. God, you are always merciful to me. And it's leaving those other things on the altar so that way we can offer up sacrifice of praise to the fruit of our lips. Here's the fourth thing. In order to praise God, I must also sacrifice my personal view of things in favor of his view. You see, I don't like it when things happen, situations change, relationships change. None of us like change. I mean, be honest. Does anybody in here like it when things change? One person, okay. We'll pray for you. None of us like change. None of us like to get the phone call that this has happened or that's taken place. None of us like change. But see, that's where we have to submit ourselves to God's view. It is sacrificing my personal view of things in favor of his view. You see, the things that God is doing, he is doing for a purpose. And we need to remember that we exist for his good pleasure, not the other way around. God is working in us and everything he is doing, it is for his good pleasure. And we need to remember that. You see, I'm to rejoice in new opportunities God gives, gives me. We need to rejoice to hear what God does in certain situations, how things have changed. We need to find things to rejoice about. I must also sacrifice my focus on my negative circumstances. You see, God is working and doing so many wonderful things that it's foolish to let a few disappointments or even personal attacks take the focus off of his glory. See, there's one additional aspect to giving this sacrifice of praise, and we're going to tie this back in here to uh, Philippians 4, 5 here. And it's the practical outworking of doing good and sharing, letting your reasonableness be known. And that's where Philippians 4, 5 comes into view of this, doing good and sharing. So let's look here at it again. Model the character of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And so here in Philippians 4, 5, we have another specific command. He's already told us to rejoice always, the command. But now the second command here is to let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And really this is parallel to doing good and sharing 
We're sacrificing the, the, the praise. We are having this the fruit of our lips and the outworking of that is doing good and sharing. And how does that play out? It's letting your reasonableness be known to everyone. Now it's important to note that again, that this is a command, not a suggestion. The same foundation that enables us to rejoice always also enables us to respond correctly when there are times of difficulty in our lives. The word reasonableness here is an interesting one. It's, it's translated many different ways in different translations. You probably have a, a different word here, but it's translated as reasonableness, forbearing, moderation, also gentleness. Um, what's interesting is that our English translations of this word really can't capture all that this word is. We have a really hard time getting our minds and grasping everything that this word means and what it, what it entails. Uh, this word really has a richer meaning. Studying out this word, we get descriptions such as sweet reasonableness, generosity, goodwill, friendliness, charity towards the faults of others, mercy towards the failures of others, indulgence of the failures of others, leniency, bright, big-heartedness, Moderation, forbearance, and gentleness are just some of the attempts to capture the rich meaning of this word. But it's an outworking of our attitude. It's actually living it out now. It is showing people your gentleness, your reasonableness, your moderation, your, your big-heartedness. You're actually living it out towards others, and you're showing it. Perhaps the best corresponding English word, I believe, to all of this is graciousness. The graciousness of humility, the humble graciousness that produces the patience to endure injustice, disgrace, and mistreatment without retaliation or bitterness or vengeance. It's being content. It's saying, God, you're in control. And I'm going to praise you for being in control. And I'm going to let your reasonableness be known. I'm going to live this out and show the, and model the character of God. You see, this humble graciousness was a characteristic of Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 10.1, it tells us about our Lord, how he was gracious, how he was long-suffering. It is also a characteristic required of elders, according to 1 Timothy 3.3. 3. Now, that does not mean that only elders have to have it, but it is a mark of someone who has been taught it. As what uh, Titus 3, 2 it says, that all Christians are to be reminded and taught to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. And we're reminded here in Philippians 4, 5, that this is something that we need to continue to obey. You see, the origin of this, of having this characteristic in your life, is living according to the wisdom that comes from above, is what James 3.17 says. It says, but the wisdom from which is above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And that's, again, why I say it's so important that we are grounded in the word of God. Because where does the wisdom come from? comes from above. How do we get the wisdom of God? In the word of God. And so if we're not digging into scripture, if we're not allowing the wisdom of God to change our thinking, then what kind of wisdom are we going to have? 
We're going to have earthly wisdom, which is devilish. It's sinful. It's so important that we find our grounding in the word of God. So that way we can let our reasonableness be known to all people. And such godly wisdom comes from having the mind of Christ. And that is the same foundation that enables us to rejoice in the Lord always. You must move away from self-centeredness in your actions and responses to other people and to those uh, that are reflective. And we must find our foundation in Jesus Christ. How did Jesus model this? How did Jesus live this out? We find that in scripture. And that's what we should be modeling. So what are some of the specific actions that would demonstrate this forbearance or humble graciousness? Let me use some uh, things that have happened in my own life, for example. I remember, again, we were remodeling a house there in, uh, when we were living in Ohio, and we were doing some hardwood flooring, and we're cheap, okay? We're bottom feeders, that's what we do, okay? <laughs> Um, we, we found some seconds. These are the, what they would call cabin grade hardwood flooring. And these seconds, some of them are, you know, they're shorter pieces. Some of them are long, but some of them are a little twisted, a little wonky. And we bought exactly what we needed in order to do hardwood flooring. And so here we are, we did this hardwood flooring area in our house and we're getting towards the end of it. And there was a piece that I was working on. And you know, I was getting frustrated because some of the pieces weren't fitting exactly the way they're supposed to fit. You know, and I got my nailer there and I got the, the hammer and uh, Jamie was laying all the pieces out the way. Oh, I like this one. It's got the stripes on this one and I think this one's good. We'll put this one here. Okay, great. You know, making sure all the joints are staggered. And so we're putting everything together and the one that she gives me is not really fitting up tight against those other ones. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm gonna get this, no problem, right? So I got my hammer, my mallet there and I get that thing seated as good as I can and I'm gonna go, all right, here we go. One, two, there goes the hammer flying across the room. Luckily, it didn't go through a window. But it hit a wall, put a big uh, a dent in the wall there, the wall that we just redid, you know. And Jamie, I look over at Jamie, and she's like, should I laugh? Should I, what should I, you know. And I'm, I'm about ready to lose it. And then she starts to laugh, gets me start laughing, you know. Um, there are times in our lives that when these things happen, how are we going to demonstrate our gentleness, our forbearance, our reasonableness? When someone breaks something of yours, you're not supposed to take out your frustration on them. Uh, just about a year ago, I remember I was, I was up late at night, I was preparing a message, and uh, I hear a big crash outside. What happens? A guy drove into my truck. Then he drove off and went home. I followed him. Should I get over there and say, what's the matter with you? you no. I'm supposed to be forbearing towards people. Gentle. Why? Because that's exactly how God treats us. So we should be giving the sacrifice of praise to God instead of blaming others. Sometimes this means we may even need to be thanking God. Thank you, God, that my dishwasher just blew up. 
I am so thankful for that because at least it didn't blow up the house. Praise God. Now I get to go get a new dishwasher. We don't throw dishes through the windows and that's not what we do. We let our reasonableness, our gentleness be known. You see, forbearance follows the golden rule of Matthew 7, 12 of treating people the way that you would want to be treated. What if someone destroyed your property? Somebody broke something of yours. You have to be forbearing towards them. Ephesians 4.32 reminds us to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Let's be realistic about this. We may need to get a hold of our emotions and attitudes before we can do this. Because, I mean, is it, is it the fact of when something happens, we're just jumping up with joy and saying, oh, praise God, is somebody slandering me? No. That's why we got to go to God. And we got to spend that time before him, getting our minds straightened out, getting our hearts straightened out before the Lord, before we can actually go and live this forbearance out. It takes time. Proverbs 14, 29 tells us that he who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. You see, how we react towards others can be done calmly, but it's something that we have to work at. What about when you have personal disappointments? Again, we're to be giving up the sacrifice of praise by giving up our own point of view in favor of God's point of view. We look to see what he is doing in the lives of others and respond accordingly. Romans 12, 15 teaches us, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And there are those times when someone has wronged us. Again, we give the sacrifice of praise by remembering that God is still at work doing many wonderful things in our lives, while at the same time not taking the personal hurt to heart where it would create bitterness and cause us to respond with revenge. We must be honest and acknowledge that revenge might come to mind, but... When it does, we must practice the command of Romans 12, 19 to never take revenge on our own and we should be overcoming evil with what? Good. See, it all depends upon our mindset, what we're thinking about, what we're dwelling upon, giving over those things so that way we can offer up a sacrifice of praise, so that way we can demonstrate reasonableness and gentleness to all people. One of the ways in which this is done is being a reflection of God's character. God is long-suffering with us. 2 Peter 3, 9 reminds us, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So we're supposed to be extending that same patience toward others. So what? They don't do it exactly the way that you wanted it to be done. Tough. Deal with it. Part of life, there's disappointments. We have to let our reasonableness be known to others. Colossians 3, 12 through 13 reminds us that it says, and so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, long-suffering, 
bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. I remember several times in our marriage, being in our early years of marriage, that you learn as a husband that many times your wife has a better way of doing things than you do. Right? And there were many times that I had this idea, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it. And then my wife comes over there and goes, pop! Pops that and just withers away and I got my feelings hurt. You're not doing it the way that I want it to be done. We have to be gentle towards people. We have to be long-suffering towards people. Jesus taught us in Matthew 18, 21 through 35 about forgiving others. And he gave us the, the story about the person who owed a, uh, an amount of debt and the, the king called and had this person come so that way he could pay his debts. And the person falls on his knees, oh God, or, oh, oh king, I, I, don't have, I don't have this, I can't pay it, I can't pay it, I can't pay it. And that king was merciful towards him and he forgave him all his debts. Well, then that same servant who had so much that was forgiven of him goes and finds a guy that owes him just a little bit. And he says, pay me what you owe me. And he begins to choke him, saying, pay me, pay me, pay me. And he's not exercising the same gentleness, the graciousness, the mercy that he was shown. And he casts that person into prison because he can't pay. The king finds out. And the king says, no, now you're going to have to pay. So it's very important for us to remember that, yeah, some people may sin against us. People may hurt us. People may do things that may disrupt our lives. Things may happen. But how we respond is very important. Because that person who may have done some little insignificant little thing against you, but yet you yourself have sinned greatly against God. And he has forgiven you everything. But yet we want to make sure that that person who's done this really gets what they deserve. We have to remember to be forbearing towards others and be gracious and let our reasonableness be known towards others. So let your forbearance be known. Let your reasonableness be known. Your generosity, your goodwill, your friendliness, your charity, your mercy, your big heartedness, your moderation, your gentleness, your humble graciousness be known to all men how you are responding in the various situations of life. It's a command and we have to follow it. We have to offer up that sacrifice of praise so that way we can allow people to see our gentleness and our forbearance towards others. If we are rejoicing in the Lord, it is hard to be selfish and vengeful. If we are selfish and vengeful, we cannot be rejoicing in the Lord. And so I pray that as a church body that we would really bring this into our lives and allow our gentleness to be known to all men in how we respond, even in difficult situations. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the truthfulness of your word.
Help us to be gentle towards others. Even when we are frustrated and it seems like we're, we've been wronged, God, help us to model your character. Because we have been changed by the gospel, because we have been transformed, because we have experienced grace, because we have experienced your mercy, because we have experienced your forgiveness, help us to model that to others. And let our reasonableness be known unto all men. Now, there are many times in my life that I am frustrated, that I'm angry, that I'm upset. And Lord, that's wrong. That's wrong for me to sit there and dwell upon those things, think about those things, but help me to get my mind correctly settled on who you are and what you're doing in my life so that a way I can offer up sacrifice of praise. And God, if there's people here this morning that are experiencing difficulties and hardships and life is just not going the way they thought it should go. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would guide them to your word. I pray that they would find peace in your word, that they would find direction in your word, and that their minds would be transformed by the renewing of the word of God. Help us to focus on who you are and what you are doing. We're so grateful for your mercy and your graciousness towards us in our lives. In the name of Christ, that we pray all these things. Amen. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.